I used to throw rocks up in my front yard and hit them with this old wood bat and try to whistle them over the next door neighbor's fence. And that was a home run. And I was playing this game in my head and I was in the world series. And like, you hear that story from so many guys that end up playing in the big leagues and guys that don't and, and guys that, that play in the minor leagues and get close. And, um, you know, it's just that, that love for it, that passion and the imagination that you, that you have really, really helps. Coolest email I've ever received. That's a tease. I'm teasing that, and I'll read it uh, to the listener in a minute. But you had a uh, a question about Jim Nance, Chad Chop. Yeah, I just wanted a few, uh, you know, warm up words. Jim Nance, you know, take me through a few, will you? Ubiquitous Nightingale. Ubiquitous Nightingale. The Nightingale's beard is ubiquitous. The Nightingale's beard is ubiquitous now before we get to my email that i texted you and it made you cry um who's on the podcast today episode 19 of talk and shop thank you to all the listeners that have uh, listened and, and subscribed and 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 emailed uh, we've been getting uh, you know dozens upon dozens and and that's going to turn into thousands upon thousands of of ratings and reviews, but who's on the podcast today, Chad Chop? CDO's own Ian Kinsler. So I'm two minutes, two, three minutes down the road from CDO, a huge baseball powerhouse high school. Ian Kinsler, can't wait to have Mr. Kinsler on the program. Born in Tucson, Arizona. Um, and, you know, I get, I get up at 4 a.m. and do my research and, you know, I write things in black, but then I have a red Sharpie that I, I kind of write the the big words, five-tool player, power and speed, base stealer, 2020 Olympics, war stick, 2017 uh, World Baseball Classic, um, and uh, grinder, grinder. Yeah, ball player. He's a ball player. He uh, high baseball IQ, clutch. You know, he uh, he's a stud. And really excited to have him on. Yeah, he's, he's really excited for this one. Scouts talked about his desire and his gritty approach. And, I mean, that's him. That's him. I mean, it, just hitting bombs, stealing bases. Um, and, fearless. And really, when you go – fearless. When you go down the list of, like, what he's accomplished and the teams he played on and what he did, it's almost exhausting. It's like, good – gracious this guy is a baseball player a really good one so i got to meet him a few months ago with alex avila with kirk gibson just name drop salutes with jack white at the war stick uh, headquarters grand opening um and uh and and he's he's gonna be a fun one he he signed my conga uh forever fun uh fun forever and uh, there it is right there. And so uh, I'm excited to talk to him about monkeys. He also loves monkeys um, and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. I want to talk to him about Warstick. Like, what's this Warstick bad company all about? Um, so super fun. But before I get to my epic email that I got um, uh, for our topic at the top, you had something cool. You had some interactions this week you wanted to discuss far away brother just a change of heart for me as a coach so uh and we all know as coaches when kids roll up late right that that 
that can really grind our gears uh, because we know what that could lead to down the road for these kids. So in the past, last time I coached high school, way back in 2009, when I was in charge of discipline and if someone rolled up late, oh my gosh, that was a five alarm fire where uh, they'd be running and everyone would be this big deal. And, you know, uh, almost like there'd be a hush over the crowd of everyone else. Like, oh no, like this is going to be bad. Well, we're at our practice on Saturday and uh, 10 a.m. start and uh, a couple kids roll in at like 10.01 and they're walking from their cars, right? So yeah, oof. And everyone's looking at me and I'm like looking inside my heart and like, okay, how are you going to handle this, bud? Like, you've changed. So I call him over. We talk about praise should be heard and criticism should be one-on-one. So I call these two young men over and uh, calmly just ask, Hey, why were you guys late? And uh, they told me they were looking for a pair of pants for uh, one of these two kids. It's like, okay, well, here's the deal. I'm really thankful that God's changed my heart about this because this would have been a really tough moment for you guys, but I'm going to show you grace today. Okay. And in the future, if you're going to be late, you got to text me. You just have to communicate. And then, you know, in the real world, like when you have a job someday, if you're playing college baseball or professionally, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, forget about it. Right. So it was just this kind of this. And you saw them like come over, like kind of like a little bit like, okay, what's going to happen to like calmness of like, okay. And uh, so put them with the rest of the group, called up everybody after we finished stretching and kind of just addressed it. Like, guys, we got to be on time. If we're late, we got to, we got to at least text. And, um, and kind of went from there, fast forward practice ends. And uh, one of these two young men, remember, they said they didn't have any pants. So I called him over. And I was like, Hey, man, I'm really just thankful God changed my heart, you know, and uh, let me give you some pants. We got some extra U of A pants that were gifted to the program. Let me make sure you get your own pair of pants. So you're dialed in. So instead of him running all day or getting sent home and being shamed and embarrassed, now he's got a pair of U of A pants. And we're, we're changing hearts. And that's, that's the thing. He texted me later that night and just said, I've never met this kid. It's his first day at practice. And he just texted and said, coach, I really appreciate the way you, you coach. And uh, I'm just excited. So uh, really cool. Amazing. Amazing. And, and, you know, the, the, the gut reaction, as soon as I heard they're walking from their car uh, and they're one minute late, anybody's gut reaction is uh, laps. All right. Just, just, uh, just run laps. Um, and, and that is an immediate kind of knee jerk reaction out of anger. And you were mature enough to, I don't know, plow through that feeling and, and, and you were overcome with what we've been trying to teach ourselves on this podcast of, of don't say things out of anger. Uh, even when maybe they're warranted, it's not going to be as productive. It's not going to be as memorable for the kid. That kid isn't going to be late anymore because he knows you love him and you care yeah. for him. Uh, you're not out to get him, and you're not out to, to, to poke out your chest and, and show who's in charge. Uh, that wasn't coddling. You weren't coddling them. You, you taught them a lesson, but I think you did it in the most productive way. So just an attaboy to you, brother. Yeah, thank you. It was cool. And he, uh, he even brought up while we were looking for pants. He's like, man, coach, I really thought you were going to, you were going to yell at me and, and I was going to be in trouble. And I did tell him, I said, his name's Trey. I said, Trey, now, now understand this. And I want you to hear this. Don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Right. right. Because if it happens again, there will be a consequence. So, 
you know, just be aware of that. And it's okay. And I won't be mad when there's a consequence. It's just, if you do the crime, you do the time. So if, if you're late again, you text or whatever the case may be, like there'll be, you know, we call them triangles where you, you start at home plate, you sprint to the foul pole, sprint to the other foul pole, sprint home. It's very difficult, but it's like, you'll get your triangle out of the way. Then you'll join the rest of the group and, and we love you, but we got to teach them that there are consequences in the real world. But I think showing them grace uh, as coaches, that's the play because they're expecting the consequence. So if you give them the consequence, you're not affecting their heart. Like you did what they thought you would do. And what's the point, right? What's the point as coaches, if we're really going after their hearts, you know, we got to do it a different uh, way. I, I stole one of your quotes uh, and put it on my Instagram page uh, that become a guru of the heart before you become a guru of the skills. And, and that can be, you know, guru of the skills that can, that can be a lot of things, but um, if you want to win over their heart and you're looking through that lens, um, man, they're, they're going to respect you and, and they are going to fight for you and they'll, they'll change because of you. So, and you, you're really good at that. Just, um, kind of winning the moment as a coach. Um, so I, 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 I again, I say attaboy to you and, um, and it kind of leads right into my email that I got, you know, I've been becoming a better coach, I think just by, uh, hanging out with you and chatting with our guests about uh, youth sports and coaching and being a dad. And uh, there was a guy that sent an email uh, from Georgia, 3000 miles away from me. And here we go. Hey coach, just wanted to reach out and let you know, I've resisted coaching little league since my son started uh, two years ago. Every year, the emails go out looking for coaches and every year I would let them go unanswered. Today, the man upstairs didn't give me a choice. My son, August, and I showed up for the first team meeting for his spring 8U baseball team, early like a ball player. Interesting, early. Uh, and his coach told us she had to move on from her two assistants, and it would be just her coaching this season. She was obviously nervous about it all. She also told me that she had seriously considered giving up coaching altogether after a rough experience in the previous fall season. I couldn't tell her good luck and just walk away. So now I am an assistant baseball coach for the first time ever. We had a short practice and I did my best rendition of Dance on a Toilet, which is my song I sing to kids to get them down and ready. We had a blast. We even let one player's younger brother take an at-bat with the big kids, and the look on his face running to first base was awesome. After a one-hour practice, we all high-fived, low-fived, I black saluted, John Stamos and Brad Pitt saluted, finger guns and hokey poked, attaboyed and attagirled to the finish that night. I sent my new head coach a link to Coach Ballgame's documentary uh, when she asked, where do you come up with this stuff? After a practice, one of the players' dads uh, came up to us and said, he asked his son what he thought of the first day. And his son said, my coaches are really nice. My last coaches weren't nice like them. I really like it. That was sad that his experiences haven't been great, but also awesome that we will get a chance to give him that experience that just might help him learn to love baseball. So here I am, the guy that resisted coaching for so long, loving every minute of it. I've been listening to the podcast with Chop. And now I'm getting my chance to put all those lessons to use. I have messaged you on Twitter about uh, me and my son coming to your sandlot in Atlanta um, because we're in Fayetteville, Georgia, and uh, I'll definitely meet you there. Thanks for everything you're doing. Newly appointed assistant coach 
Fayetteville, Georgia. Atta boy. And uh, he, he, he gave me the, uh, the go ahead to share it. So the, his name is Glenn. So I just want to give you an attaboy, Glenn, uh, on three, one, two, three. Attaboy. Attaboy. There's a lot to unpack there, but what what when I sent you the text, you said you had some some tears in the eye. What stuck out? Well, it's and you can hear that construction. We're redoing our bathrooms, so I'll mute this thing as much as possible when I'm not talking. Can you all hear that noise, Coach Ballgame? I can't hear it. Not really? too bad. So okay. all right, it's really loud to me. Uh, but it's just it's just you know as coaches to use the sounds I'm hearing right now like trying to be like construct their hearts you know and remodel the kids hearts and remodel our hearts as coaches first and foremost so you get to hear this dad who's like I want nothing to do with coaching and 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 all that jazz and then all of a sudden he gets that tug on his heart like hey you know I'm ready for this and I'm equipped and uh what made me emotional was it's what we're trying to do we're trying to change the culture and uh and he's in and he gets it. And now we have another coach who's going to go out there and do it for the right reasons. And uh, that's what got me emotional. Um, and, it, and it would bum me out too that the kid talked about how it wasn't fun in the past. And like we talked with uh, Longo yeah. last week, like it's got to be about fun. You got to have fun and uh, yep. enjoy. So that's what made me emotional. What about you, coach? What'd you think about it? Same thing, man. It just got me emotional. I had to show it to my wife right away. And and that's really the, the goal here is to find great leaders in, in all the different communities and, and just shine a light on how impactful uh, a positive coach can be, you know, and seeing it as I went across the country this summer, going to places like Pennsylvania and having kids that just uh, literally would have anxiety attacks at a little league tryout, um, coming to my sandlot where there's drums and guitars and tennis balls and fun songs and just feeling free to play and be a kid and then thriving and then jumping into little league after that. I mean, there is the majority out there waiting for that leader, that, that, um, that mentor that will step up like a coach Glenn here in, in Fayetteville, Georgia, and, and just, try to make fun of himself in front of kids, sing a dance on a toilet song, come up with nicknames, do a Brad Pitt salute. Uh, so much fun. And, you know, what he did is, is really inspired this head coach who was thinking about quitting herself. Uh, hey, what, what is this? This feels like a party. I kind of dig this. So, hey, what we're doing, it, um, it's meaningful. It's so impactful. I, I'm so proud of it. And uh, we'll just keep, talking we'll just keep talking about coaching so um just an attaboy to you and uh and tommy gold for producing this thing just proud of it yeah as coaches especially youth coaches like fun first fun first and it doesn't mean you don't get to fundamentals and all that other jazz but you know there is fun and fundamental so maybe that's why uh that's how that word's spelled i don't know uh, yeah. You know, well, uh, I was saying. listening to Longoria this morning and he had a great soundbite about teaching kids at a young age to love the game. You're not teaching them to play baseball. You're teaching them to love baseball. Um, and th I mean, that was just so eye opening. Like, yeah, I've never heard it said that way, which is amazing. So um, 
rock and roll. Well, without further odor, um, our guest is here, and he's a four-time All-Star, two gold gloves, World Series champ, over a 14-year Major League career, played with the Rangers, the Tigers, the Angels, the Red Sox, the Padres, played in the World Baseball Classic, played for Team Israel in the 2020 Olympics. He's the co-owner of Warstick, which is where I met him at the headquarters there. Um, he's handsome. He's funny. He loves monkeys, which is why I've got my monkey behind me. Uh, he signed my conga, Fun Forever, Ian Kinsler over here, because he has forever fun. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Ian Michael Kinsler. You're the man. Thanks for coming, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait to see how this show rolls out, you know. Oh, see it's going to be all on Instagram. And I, now I'm a part of it. I'm pumped up. You're seeing the sausage get made right here. Well, you got to go to the YouTube listener if you're listening on MySpace or wherever you're listening because you want to see this backdrop. He's in the, um, uh, well, well, you set up the, the scene there. Where are you right now, Ian? I'm in uh, the Woodman's Lounge, which is the basement of the Warstick building down in Deep Elm in Dallas. Um, and I can smell it. Yeah, it smells like leather. And rich mahogany there it is <laughs> but yeah i'll give you a little little tour of this place we got like a little stage i don't know if you can see the stage over there oh yeah that's where i saw jack white play right there yeah, exactly and then we got some tables got a little well you can't really see the the rhinoceros but we got a rhino <laughs> so head down there. Well, yeah so pro and uh, you know, uh, that that is uh, the headquarters there at Warstick where I met you. Uh, Alex Avila, who we had on just a few weeks ago, um, you two were kind enough to come to my Dallas Sandlot and uh, talk to the kids and do an attaboy challenge. Now, Alex said he beat you in the attaboy challenge. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I already I already told you the the staring contest was hands down an Avila W because he's been concussed so many times that like the staring thing, he could, he can stare off into space for a long period of time. So there was no winning for me in that. Um, the attaboy challenge. I don't, I mean, we left it up to the kids. I, I can't remember what the, what the overall consensus was, but um, I don't think it was like a, a landslide or anything. I, I mean, I think he's kind of stepping over the line saying he won, you know, yeah, he he I mean he's got the deep baritone voice for sure, but you had the physicality, you put your gut into it, you put your whole body into it. And um I, I think I think it was at best a tie. Uh, because you have to put you gotta look at everything when you're doing the Attaboy Challenge. That was so fun because your uh your son came out and he was playing out there, and there were a bunch of different age groups. A lot of your war stick coaches were out there um helping assist coach and i just got to kind of go from from each age group to uh, age group with my drum and dish out nicknames and that was so fun you had a great turnout there a lot of kids loving baseball down in uh dallas for Warstick. yeah it's sports youth sports is is nuts down here and anytime you can get something like a camp that you run in the way that you run it. And, and it's just so much different than any of these kids really experience probably anywhere, but mostly in, 
you know, I could definitely say in, in Texas, um, they just enjoy it so much. And, and I mean, I, I think it sold out rather quickly and you had yeah. you all the, all the numbers packed in pretty quickly. And it was, it was awesome. My, my son absolutely loved it. Like absolutely loved, couldn't stop talking about it for two or three days. He wants to go again. So uh, whenever we're close, we'll be, we'll be hitting you up. I'll be back to Dallas. That's for sure. Um, well, I want to talk a lot about Warstick uh, towards the end, but um, man, before I, I dish it off to Chopper for the first question, I got up early as I always do and just kind of do a little book report on each guest. And it got a little exhausting uh, uh, re reading all the things you did. Uh, I mean, um, in highlights, uh, power and speed. Uh, you know, you, you stole a ton of bases. You were a 30-30 guy multiple times. Uh, Chopper, only 12 players have ever done that in history. Um, but you were just a, a great baseball player for a long period of time. And I know you don't like hearing praises about yourself, but um, – uh, for the kid out there who maybe didn't see Ian Kinsler play much, just do a little book report on him and uh, and give it to your teacher because it's pretty fun to go down this road. Um, Chopper, lead us off, brother. Yeah, I want to touch on you real quick, Coach Ballgame, because uh, Ian, you don't know this, but that's the same way I met Coach Ballgame is uh, my wife found Coach Ballgame on Instagram and signed him up for a baseball camp. And I run baseball camps, right? So uh, when I heard... My kids are going to a baseball camp. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then I show up and it's coach ball game, dancing on a toilet and doing his, doing everything that he does. And uh, it blew me away. It was so cool. Uh, it was awesome. So he, uh, he's the best. And uh, that's how I met him too. My kids love it. They, they still talk about it. Uh, but coach ball game, you're the, you're the best. Question I can't I wait got, to coach with you. I can't wait to coach I, with you this weekend. This Sunday, we'll be in San Nick, Diego with Nick Hunley, man. Nick Hunley baseball be... camp. Yeah, Let's that's go. happening. Let's go. All right, question I've got for you, uh, Ian. Uh, outside of, obviously, uh, your parents, who impacted you early on uh, in your career, in your youth, and then also you had some real leaders uh, in your major league career early on, too. So if you can touch on both of those. Yeah, that's, that's a lengthy answer when you go outside my folks. Because um, there's just there's so many people that you can think along the, the path. And I went to three different colleges. Um, and my high school coach, Kent Winslow, was his name, was exceptional and taught us so much. Uh, taught us about accountability, taught us about paying attention to the, to the right things on the field, off the field. Um, led us to a state championship. Like he was, he was just an exceptional, exceptional coach for me to have in high school. And then I went to uh, Central Arizona junior college and there was there were so many quality coaches there so many guys that just really cared about the players and our careers not necessarily they didn't they had no they it felt like they really had no skin in the game it was just all about them helping us get to get to the next level whether that was drafted or, or a division one or continue play baseball and they were just so good and a lot of them I still talk to I mean Mike a guy named Michael Moreno who played at uh, Arizona State um, was an exceptional player there, played in the College World Series for them and, and was kind of the leader of their team. He was, he was, at the time, I think he was just like a volunteer assistant or something or, um, you know, like the third assistant on the team. But he hit me buckets and buckets of ground balls. Like, you couldn't even believe. And this dude's 
ripping like it's not just the average coach fungo like he's ripping them at me like we're having battles to see you know how many how many ground balls he can get by me he'd be screaming base hit after he after he's you know rip rips one in the hole and i'm digging trying to get it so that you know he he really elevated my game and then uh, coach john wente who is at grand canyon right now he's the pitching coach at grand canyon phoenix uh he was in my wedding um and he was my head coach when when i went to liberal kansas for summer ball and then the head coach his name's clint myers um who ended up moving to softball and coaching Arizona state softball. He's coaches Auburn softball and he led both of those teams to the college world series. He's won multiple uh, junior college world series with central. He was just exceptional. And there's still a lot of things um, that he did with us that I still use today. Like just thinking about the game differently, how to practice a little bit differently. Uh, he was just exceptional at that. And he, he like expected a lot of us constantly, like really, really expected a lot of us. Um, and I mean, on and on, the list goes on and on, but you know, get to the minor leagues and it's a little bit different of an animal because you're treated more like a man and um, you don't call them coach anymore. You know, you call them, you call them by their name. Um, you call the coaches by their first names. And so it's, it's just a different feel, but a guy that, that really made an impact on my career was a guy named Ralph Dickerson. And he, he really taught me how to hit with my legs. And like, I always had pretty good BP power, but I never really hit a lot of home runs in the game. Um, you know, I, I hit my fair share, I guess, but nothing like that jumped off the page or I guess maybe below average as far as power or home runs. And my first year in the minor leagues, he, you know, I really, I really absorbed everything that he was saying. And he really taught me how to use my legs and my hips properly and how to, cause I was a pull hitter. So he taught me how to pull the ball properly and like get it in the air with backspin as opposed to like hooking it foul. Um, and he, he was instrumental in, in like me taking off to the next level. Um, and then you got, you know, Buck Showalter was my first manager when I was a rookie. Um, and gave me the opportunity to, to, you know, play in the big leagues. And then along comes Ron Washington. It's like just exceptional. And we, we had so much fun. Those teams were so much fun in, in Texas, the teams that went to the world series and wash was a huge part of bringing the, you know, just a new culture to our club and like freed us up. Um, and he was just, he was perfect for our team. So, I mean, I'm, I could go on and on about coaches and people that had an impact on, on me. Um, because really everybody that, that you come in touch with when you're a player, they should impact you in some way. Like as a player, you should know that. Like they're, they're, not, there, they're not there to help themselves. You know, they're not there to like, coaches don't tell you something to make themselves better. They tell you something to try to help you. So, you know, I think that's important. And I was, I was super lucky with the coaches I had along the way for sure. Yeah, I had, Ralph Dickerson was my uh, hitting coordinator my first year with the Expos. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah, dude. He's a lot of passion, a lot of energy. Had us read the Ted Williams book. Yeah, uh, he's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, he was awesome. And that was like coming from college baseball right into Ralph Dickerson, you know, lot, hitting BP on the field and him just in your ear, like trying to really help you get into the ground and use the ground. Was, yeah, uh, he was, was really he was big. 
Yeah. So uh, I want to touch on one thing you said. And as coaches, we're really trying to talk about like reaching the player's heart. So you had a coach who was in your wedding. So you want to talk about a coach who impacted you more than just about the game. Like that's as coaches, like coach ballgame said it too. be the coach that the kids want to play for be around that dude's in your wedding. Uh, he, he impacted you in a positive way. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, completely in a positive way. And he was the pitching coach. I mean, I really didn't communicate him with, with him that much in, in junior college. We had a relationship, but it wasn't a coach, you know, player relationship because he was working with the pitchers all the time. Um, and when you, the other thing is when you go to a junior college like Central Arizona, it's in Casa Grande. Like it's out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing else to do. So you end up developing different types of relationships with your coaches and with your teammates and stuff because you, that's you just spend all the time with them um and we developed a good relationship and then when i went to i decided to go play for him at in liberal kansas it's a wood bat summer league and he was the head coach and i lived with him so like our host family in liberal kansas um me and him lived together with that host family all summer and so we got really tight like he he was my ride to and from the games. And so like he would rip on me if I, if I wasn't doing something correct, like constructive criticism and kind of let me know um, about the mistakes I was making. He would also kind of, kind of blow me up a little bit and let me know, like, you're basically the best player on this team, even though I, I mean, I probably wasn't, but he, he entrusted a lot in me and he, we had a lot of time together, um, you know, to and from baseball games. He was kind of, like a second dad, I guess you can say. Um, and from that point on, we were just, we've always stayed in touch. And then, like you said, he was in my wedding. So, uh, and then he moved, he ended up moving to Texas. He ended up coming to Texas and uh, being the pitching coach at UTA. So we stayed in touch through all the years and, and till this day, for sure. Awesome. Good, man. Yeah. I mean, like when you got a coach or, uh, you know, uh, uh, a manager that wants to bring the team together and do community service like choppers doing with his high school team, or, you know, I like to bring the kids together and, and just let's say a kind word about the outfielders. What, what, what have you noticed about them that makes you want to be a better person that brings the team so close together. And then, then you want to put more backspin on that ball and you want to work a little harder on your two seam fastball because, you know, you've built this, uh, teamwork. So I, I love that. Uh, another one of the coaches uh, that you had, I mean, you said you went to three colleges. Um, uh, you, you go to ASU second, I believe. And then the Missouri coach, Tim Jamison spotted you taking ground balls in a summer league. Is this right? He spots you taking ground balls, not hitting, but you're, you're taking fungos. And he says, I got to bring that guy to Missouri. He's on a mission in quotes. And, and I kind of want to unpack, like, what did he see? What was the mission you were on? Uh, but it kind of ties in with when you did get drafted in 2003 by the Rangers, the, the scouts were saying he's got tools, but I underline these two desire and gritty approach. So uh, I, I think the question I'll ask is, you know, you were on this mission, uh, taking ground balls uh, in a summer league fungo session and you had this gritty approach and desire where, if you can pinpoint it, where did that come from? Where did the grit, the desire, 
the pull your pants up to your knees and take a billion ground balls, where'd it start? Man, uh, it started when I was a little kid and I just, I, I just love taking ground balls. I love taking swings. I love working in the, I, like, it's, it's a serious like passion. It's a joy. Like it, there's nothing, you know, when I was a kid growing up, there's really nothing else I'd rather do. Um, and a lot of, a lot of that credit goes to my dad. Like he was the one hitting ground balls when I was a kid and he was the one throwing me BP when I was a kid and it was constant. I mean, anytime, anytime we had a, we had a weekend off a Saturday, Sunday, uh, you know, 8am we're up, I'm eating my pop tarts and Cheerios and we're getting ready to go pick up the neighborhood kids. Like my dad, you know, this is before cell phones. So you got to ring the, the landline and see who's, who's home. And so we'd call around the neighborhood and, and drive our minivan and pick up, pick up, you know, three or four kids and go straight to the ballpark. And like, like you're kind of doing is run a little sandlot. Like we would take ground balls, we would play catch, we'd hit, um, you know, we do all the things that that you want to do and and he created that environment for me as a little kid and um you know he he was instrumental in I think creating that mindset but also I've always like I've always just absolutely loved baseball like I just love it it's it was super fun for me to take two buckets of ground balls it was never exhausting it was never like even if it take a bad hop and like chip my tooth or something like I was ready for the next one. I just wanted, I just wanted to, I wanted to take ground balls. A little bit of a Labrador retriever in that, in that regard, I guess. Screw loose. I don't know. That's so good. That's so good. Chopper, I see you over there uh, grinning. What what do you got to say to that? I mean, it's, it's perfect because that's like, you talk about uh, Wayne Gritzky's dad talked about the great ones. You don't have to tell them to go work. Like the great ones, you tell them like, hey, dude, like, Ian, you got to come inside. You got to eat dinner. Like it's getting dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wash your hands and let's eat. But like no one told you you had to go take ground balls. You wanted to take them. And, and that's like we say, we say it here all the time, like no one stumbles into greatness. You know, like you don't just wake up one day and you're great. Like that's from a young age, you had this passion and this love. And we tell our kids as coaches, like you got to have a love for this thing. And if you don't, like what is your passion? Go do it. If it's chess, if it's Jack White, you know, uh, singing, like, go follow your heart and follow your passion. Uh, so, I mean, I love that. It's awesome. And I, and I can see you doing that. And, and I'm right down the street, probably from where you did a lot of it over, like James Cray, you know, taking ground balls on the, on the softball fields. Yeah, but, Dennis, uh, Dennis Weaver, my man. Mill- <laughs> millions of hours put in at Dennis Weaver. But the other, the other thing that I noticed um, when I talked to other major leaguers, through my career is they all like, even when they weren't practicing, they were finding a way to practice and they didn't even know it. Like they were finding a bouncy ball to bounce off a brick wall and just sit there on their knees for hours, just throwing the ball against the wall and just catching it, you know, just because that was super fun to them. Um, And it occupied their time in a way that they wanted to occupy their time. And there's so many guys, like it's, it's crazy how many guys have that same exact story. Like, I used to throw rocks up in my front yard and hit them with this old wood bat and try to whistle them over the next door neighbor's fence. And that was a home run. And I was playing this game in my head and I was in the world series. And like, you hear that story from so many guys that end up playing in the big leagues and guys that don't and, and guys that, that play in the minor leagues and get close. And, um, you know, it's just that, 
that love for it, that passion and the imagination that you, that you have really, really helps. Got me in trouble in my youth. I had an older brother and yeah. I would take his, steal his wooden bat and hit rocks with it and uh, do the same thing, hitting, just hitting tanks. I think the kids call them, <laughs> kids call them nukes these days. But uh, yeah, and he'd be like, dude, did you hit rocks with my bat? I'm like, why would, I wouldn't do that. That's too big for me anyways. I wouldn't do that. But yeah, I did. I was hitting homers. Uh, and I would same thing, bouncy ball off the brick, the brick fireplace in my front yard, playing nine innings. And if you field the ground ball, you still got to throw a strike to the first baseman and pick it and, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, question I've got for you, uh, and this, this is probably going to be long-winded too, because I'm sure there's a lot, but what kind of sacrifice, sacrifices did you make to have the type of career that you had all along, all along the way. I know there's a lot of them. Yeah, I think honestly, the, my wife probably made the most sacrifices. I've known her since high school. Um, and, you know, going to Missouri, going to Spokane, then the Clinton, Iowa, then the Oklahoma City, then the, the ballpark in Arlington, and then Detroit and LA and San Diego and Boston. Like, she probably made the most sacrifices through throughout the whole thing she she allowed me to make the sacrifices that you're referring to and made my life super easy in that regard um but for me you know you call them sacrifices but for me it was like almost a like I was almost scared to fall behind um I was almost scared to fall behind of my teammates the guys like when you show up in the spring training um you don't want to be like the weak, the weak link in the chain. And so those, those off seasons of like trying to strengthen yourself, trying to get better somehow, whether it's offensively or defensively and like really, really uh, like self-assessing um, your season and what needs to happen for you to get better. And then applying that in the off season, those were like the sacrifices I made is just trying to be completely honest with myself and, um, figure out ways to get better and then not trying, not being that weak link. Like that was always the driving force for me. And, um, you know, I've been, you know, I played in the Olympics in 20 last summer, 20, what is that? 2021 or whatever. Um, but other than that, I haven't worked out at all because I don't have anybody to work out for, you know, like I would bust my tail in the off season and, go through ridiculous workouts with my teammates, without my teammates, whatever it was, just so I wasn't that weak link. And the, I think, you know, that's, that's the type of sacrifice you're really talking about. But other than, other than that, cause I really don't, I mean, like I said, I haven't worked out in two years, so I don't really like it. It's not something that like motivates. I'd rather, like we've been saying, I'd rather be taking buckets of ground balls and buckets of flips or BP or whatever. Um, that's way more fun for me than like doing bench press and running 60s and, and stuff like I'm not that's not not really something that I'm all about but you make those sacrifices so that your team can your teammates can really count on you and, and they understand that you put in the work to you know the work and the sacrifice to to be ready to go and to perform at, at a high level along with them and that's kind of like the driving force and that that was, was what was so special about those Rangers teams is we all, there was a lot of us that stayed in, in Arlington and Dallas and worked out together at the ballpark. And we just were constantly pushing each other to get better. And the results showed. Yeah. Uh, Coach, Wang, I'll kick, kick it to you in a sec. But uh, what I do want to say is you hear this from so many athletes. And uh, I just said it to my high school the other day, like the true greats, like they identify their areas that where they need to improve and, and they get after it because as humans, we just want to like play to our strengths 
but greatness like identifies, okay, I got to get better over there. And they go grind on the stuff that's not super fun to grind on. And it's noticeable. So I love that. that that's really important. That's great that you said that coach ballgame. Well, man, I mean, you, you weren't left behind. I mean, I, you know, it, it just kind of reading some quotes from your teammates on five different teams. I mean, there, there was this natural leader, uh, ship quality about you where it, and, and I've been around you, I've seen it in person and it, I don't think it doesn't seem like you try and it's just an ease. It's an easy kind of leadership where people just look at you. They watch you. They, they notice how hard you work and then they want to work as hard as you. And that's kind of what I try and teach my players. Like your actions are going to speak way louder than your words. And if, <laughs> if you're taking those buckets of balls and you're the first in and the last out, people see that a lot more than, than they'll hear you, uh, do a rally uh, call. So, uh, yeah, man, what a what a great time I was able to spend in Dallas, just kind of watching you. And this was just a fun Sandlot game, but still to see the competitive nature and the leadership. This kind of takes me to uh, um, one of our one of our fun segments recently, which is uh, trivia. And this this is Ian Kinsler trivia, and this will kind of be a little. Um, uh, a trip down memory lane for his major league career. I like that we talked about, uh, you know, your, your uh, college and minor league career, but this is a little game and listeners out there, you can try and play along too. try and beat these guys, but I'll ask a question, Ian, as soon as you think, you know, the answer, say it chopper, same for you. Uh, and we'll just keep score. If neither of you can guess the right answer, I get the point. Uh, but we're going to start with, Ian Kinsler home runs. Any questions before we get started here, folks? Everybody don't be intimidated. Good? Ian, don't be intimidated. I finished in the top two, all three of these uh, previous. <laughs> I've gotten smoked every time, but top two. Well, I'll be, yeah, I'll be in the top three today, so that's fine. <laughs> 257 career dingers, uh, 48 leadoff bombs, which uh, makes me want to be a better father. Uh, question number one, what pitcher did he hit the most dingers off of? Am I answering this? It's a free-for-all. Just fire away whenever you can. Uh, First Joe to Sa get it right. What was that? Joe Saunders. Incorrect. No, wait, no, wait, no, wait. Can I take that he back? Had four, yeah. You had four against him. You get to keep going. You, you had Rapid four fire. against a bunch, but this guy you had five. Do I need to wait for the for no, no. keep going, no. dude? I'll finish oh, in the top two either Felix, way. Felix Hernandez. Oh, Correct. King Felix. Uh, one League nothing, West. Ian Kinsler. Okay. King Felix, oh, he had five bombs off of uh, I get a most point for of that? any other player. One nothing, Ian Kinsler. Uh, listener out there, if you got it right before Ian, then uh, uh, I want to give boy. you a Wade Boggs. I have a Wade Boggs baseball card for Ooh, you. So uh, solid. I actually have some cards. Uh, so I'm, giving you a, I'm giving you a Jay Buhner uh, Yankee yes. card there, Kins. And then the listener gets the uh, the bearded Wade Boggs. Boggs. I, my, my favorite tweet tweet from yesterday was Wade Boggs tweeted out, Happy Valentine's with a picture of a chicken and a heart. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, question number two. 
just fire away as rapid as you can right now, Chopper. You're in second place. Yeah, I am. Uh, what team did Ian hit the most bombs off of in his major league career? What team? Rangers. Incorrect. Oh, what team of. against? Against. Oh, oh, God. Angels. I was going to say Angels, but I'll go Mariners. Incorrect. I'll go Mariners. Incorrect. It was Dang, 24. I you hit 24 bombs off of this team. Ooh, Kansas City. Correct. Two That's nothing. A Ian tough Kinsley. spot to hit homers. You're pulling those balls down the line, dude. You're not hitting them out in the gaps. Into the fountain, baby. <laughs> yes. Into the fountain, Kansas City. So uh, you hit a bunch of bombs off Felix, and you hit a bunch of bombs off Kansas City. Uh, two nothing. Ian Kinsler, listener. <laughs> see if you can get this one before these other two guys. Yeah. Throw what me in there, count? Man. What count did he hit the most bombs? In his career, what count? Oh, oh, ambush. Correct. Let's go. Oh, 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 ambush. I ambushed you on that answer. Let's go. I'm on the board. It's not even close, really. I I think one oh was next, but you just jumped on that first pitch. Was that was that something you thought about in the on deck circle, or you just kind of blacked out and it happened? A lot of it, a lot of it depended on the pitcher. Honestly, I was, I was a big first pitch of the game swinger for, for a long period of my, my career. Um, and like I hunted four seamers. So if a, if a starting pitcher was a four seam guy, that first pitch of the game leading off, like I was ready to, to hammer it. Watch um, out. And then, and then through the rest of the game, you can kind of set up a pitcher. So if it was a, if it was a guy where he's got a four seam fastball, and he throws a really good one first pitch of the game, let's say paints outside corner and you're not swinging it back because you don't want it. And so he sees the take. Well, the next at bat, I may auto take so that my third at bat, I get another heater on that first one and then just jump it. Love it. That's so inside baseball. Playing and that's chess. That's so good. Oh, yeah. We've talked game about game. that in pitchers. Pitchers play chess. Scherzer, you know, you've worked with Scherzer uh, and Chopper has as well. Like they play chess with the batter. I think that's fascinating. So fun. My favorite part of the game. Yeah. Love that. Um, two to one chopper. Way to hey. go. You're hey. on the board. Blind squirrel. Uh, <laughs> Ian Kinsler hit three walk-off bombs in his career. Who did he hit his first walk-off bomb off of on July 19th, 2009? 2009? R.A. Dickey is correct. I was going to go with the hint, knuckleballer. Was it a knuckleball? It was a heater. Oh, he got him. Oh, Four-seamer. Sneak the cheese past the rat. rat. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, th- this is kind of fascinating for the, the high school baseball player. You said you hunted four-seamers. Um, is there a trick you can give to a high school or college player? What do you mean by that? Like, uh, out of his hand, what do you see? Well, for me, it was, I think a lot of players uh, and kids get confused with being ready to being ready for the fastball, as opposed to guessing fastball or timing fastball. Like I wasn't timing fastball. I was, I was getting ready for the fastball. So my, I was putting my body in position to hit whatever the pitcher's fastest pitch was. And then I was just going from there. So I was going to be early for the heater and then adjust from there. So I was always on time. So even like we just came up with R.A. Dickey, even when I'm facing a knuckleballer, 
physically, I'm not trying to time a knuckleball. Physically, I'm trying, or not time, get ready. Physically, I'm getting ready for his fastball, all pitches. And then I'll just wait on the knuckleball. But if he throws me that heater, walk off, you know? Yeah, sorry about it. I, I had a... Uh... <laughs> I had a talk with our, our hitters on Saturday and, uh, and I'm like really big on like active takes. No, I mean, like to your point, like yes, out of the hand. So like, I see these kids with these flat footed takes or they're not slotting their elbow, whatever the case may be. It's like, dude, it's yes out of the hand you're going, you're hacking. And then you should be able to check off. Right. But if you're waiting to see the ball and all this jazz, like it's too late. Yeah. So I love that. Defensive. I love that. You said that too defensive. You gotta be ready to hit. Yeah. Let's go hunt the heater. <laughs> Yeah. Love the way you said that. I've never heard it said that way. You got you got your body in position to be ready for the fastest pitch, yeah. uh, and then go from there. That's well said. Three to one. Ian Kinsler in the lead. Mm. Um, listener, how you doing out there? I've got a Mike Schmidt for you if you can get this one right. Um, Who he hit his only inside the park home run off of, uh, <laughs> and the hint is I'm pretty sure he won a world series with this guy later in his career. Yes, oh, wow. I did. He actually closed. He closed the world series game, struck out Manny Machado, Chris sale, bang biscuit, Chris, Chris sale, sale sold on August 23rd, 2013. <laughs> what do you remember about that? home run do you remember that oh that was so freaky it was it was such it was such luck I hit a he threw me a slider and I was out front might have been change up I don't know and I was out front of it and I kind of flipped it over the third baseman's head down the line for a double and I think it was Visayedo was playing left field and and Comiskey or U.S. Cellular whatever there's pads down the left field line and there's a little spot on the bottom where the ball can kind of slide under. And for some reason, my, the ball went under there and got stuck and he went under there looking for it. And I just kept running. And then he put up his hands thinking that it was going to be a double, but since he looked for it, the play continued and I just kept running. Um, and just, I got lucky. I got lucky. He, he looked for it and he, I mean, it was, it was, you know, just worked out perfect it was an easy one I was I was standing up the whole way from third to home I was just basically looking over my shoulder down the left field line like you can't find it this is easy man that's so great chopper they had a rule change about that uh with replay so now if that happens in today's game even if the player goes for the ball uh we can challenge that and get it overturned to a ground rule double if it gets lodged even for a second so that's maybe that was the impetus the reason why they changed that rule with replay but little known fact yeah yeah. Um, I, well, I just love the way I tried to be the same way as a player. Just I wanted to excite my teammates. And this isn't a question, but this has got to be as a, an exciting a day as inside the Parker. Um, you hit for the cycle in 2009. You, you kind of went off in 2009. You just went nuts. And, and you, one of the things you did was go six for six uh, and you hit for the cycle. And I was reading some quotes, Marlon Bird uh chris davis some teammates that were like this is was the most exciting game i ever saw it was just like i was a kid jumping up and down like who goes six for six in a game and hits for the cycle william farmer weaver was the last guy to go <laughs> six for six <laughs> you can guess what year it was by the name 1890 for Love the louisville that. colonels but i mean i went six for six in a american legion game but 
Um, unpack that day a little bit. Hitting for the yeah, cycle going for six lunch. Six. Yeah, what was for lunch before that game? God, I, the whole day was just complete blackout session. <laughs> no, it was so it was good. actually it was actually Jackie Robinson Day also. So we were all wearing forty two, which was super cool. Um, and we were playing the Orioles, and it was kind of back and forth. So my first hit was a double. My second hit was a homer. My third hit was a was a base hit. Um, and it was kind of a back and forth game. It was like a high scoring back and forth game. Uh, and then my fourth at bat, I got a base hit up the middle. So I was four for four with two singles, a homer and a double. And I got the first and I came back to the base and I was kind of running through my, my day in my head. And I was like, oh, if I would have hit a triple right there, I would have had the cycle. Like I wasn't even thinking about it on my fourth at bat. Um, didn't register until I was getting back to first base. And then my next at bat, I knew it going in. Um, and I just, I got this perp, I think it was Albers, Matt Albers. Oh, maybe? Matt Albers. Yeah. Face Matt yeah. Albers. Yeah. Yeah. He threw Heavy me like sinker. a sinker. Yeah. He threw yeah. me like a sinker down and in. And for some reason I like golfed it out the right center, which is not what Love I did. That. Wow. Yeah. And Adam Jones went running after it. And it hit the warning track and bounced up and hit the top of the fence and like went sky high up in the air. And so I had all this time. Um, and it was just like a perfect, perfect shot, you know, going into the at bat. I knew it was a triple needed. And then my last at bat, it was like, I mean, heat check, just go ahead and swing and see what happens and just yeah. rifled another ball in the gap. It was just stupid. It was, That's it so was a fun. Super, super fun game. Yeah. Gosh. have a day have a day man so fun and the fact that you remember every single pitch of that game that's just how that's how it goes player. that's a ball that's player. a ball he player was, you just yeah, he, he checked those yeah yeah i uh um, in the zone okay let's get let's get back to this thing here chopper because right now you're down you're down but yeah, you're but not I feel out. like i'm winning if that makes sense like i feel like i'm winning just being a part of it <laughs> um he he had uh ian kinsler in his career had 24 hits off Irvin santana uh, but he had 25 hits, most hits uh, in his career off what pitcher? I'm going to go Felix again. I like that guess. It's a great guess. It's incorrect, but you had the most ABs. He hit you the most. He walked you the most. We had um, battles. Uh, I'll give you the initials JV. Justin Verlander. Uh, incorrect. Okay. I was your teammate, right? You guys were teammates? No? They, yeah, they were teammates. JV. V should be. Listener sure? out there, if you've already gotten it, you get a Will Clark. Oh, Love Will Clark. Will you win with the thrill. 25 hits off a guy named Jason Vargas. Oh, Vargas. Jason Vargas, lefty. That's he had my 25 fault. Nuts. That's my fault. Yeah, that's on you. It's all right. Just recover. I get that point. Um, <laughs> Well, this wasn't your fault. This was just the nastiness of this pitcher. Who struck Ian Kinsler out the most? This Felix pitcher struck him out 14 Hernandez. times. Incorrect. God. Close. Close. Uh, I love that. Incorrect. 14 times. Corey Kluber is correct. Klubot. Uh, yeah, Longo talked about how nasty Corey Kluber was. As he said you just couldn't pick up the sliders. You had no hope. He struck me out. Yeah, he struck me out with that slider one time in Cleveland. Um, and I swung at it like it was a fastball in and it was like a slider off the plate away. And I 
and I started screaming at him, stop cheating, you're cheating, stop cheating. And I was screaming at him and Jan Gomes was just like staring at me like, what is this dude talking about? What are you I looking at, Jan? Couldn't see the ball. So stop good. cheating. That's so good. That's soundbite number one for me. Oh um, my gosh. I, I, we're pretty close here. Ian's still in the lead. We, we, we might have uh, two more here. Uh, as I said earlier, 48 leadoff bombs. Uh, he let off the game 48 times with a bomb. Fourth all time. Uh, can you name any of the top three oh, who have he, had he, more leadoff? Ricky bombs? Henderson. Correct. Point Craig for you. Gigio. Correct. Ooh. Alfonso Soriano. Love Correct. that. We did Correct. it. Correct. And uh, that was easy. Let's see. Soriano was in the Rangers organization, and and then uh, that that's when you you shifted from shortstop to second base, I think. And um, yeah, you would have been behind him, but then he goes to the Yankees, and you're uh, you're banging it with the with the major league club. Biggio fifty three, Soriano fifty four, Ricky with eighty one. Mm. <laughs> that's nuts. That's just nuts. Every time Ricky play, Ricky bust a cleat. That's my favorite quote from Ricky. He always talked in the third person, which is incredible. Ricky. I got to do more of that. <laughs> Rick, Rick, somebody, yeah, there's a great story about him getting on the bus, you know, uh, late. And, uh, and somebody said, it's okay, Ricky, you got tenure. Tenure? Ricky been playing 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> How about Ricky. what he told he told John Allerud that he used to play with a guy that also wore a helmet in Toronto. And John's like, yeah, that, that was me, Ricky. <laughs> I love Ricky Henderson, dude. Gosh. He's the man. He's the man. Um, uh, first oh. major league at bat was a was a hit against uh, against what pitching great and uh, Kurt Schilling. Yeah, Ooh. Chopper, you got no chance. You got That's no okay. chance on that one. Hey, Kurt That's Schilling. Um, maybe uh, it, before. I really want to talk war stick, but before uh, we get to that, just unpack that first major mm. league at bat, the kid who loved Grindr. baseball more than anything. Um, what, what's that like? Well, man? it goes back to the night before. It really goes back to spring training. When you hear uh, we're opening with Boston and we all know who their ace is. So you're facing Kurt Schilling. So like the day you find out that you made the team, it was thinking about Kurt Schilling, you know? Um, and then the night before opening day, you know, the whole family's there, a bunch of friends drove, uh, from Tucson and it was a packed house, obviously, cause it's opening day and, and the ballpark is the opening day in Texas is just, is just awesome. It's, there's so much going on flyovers, huge flags, like packed house. Um, I couldn't really sleep. It was just facing Kurt Schilling was running through my head the night before just over and over and over and over and I couldn't really fall asleep um got to the field super early pretty nervous uh I was hitting ninth so I had some time to like think about what was going on watch the game a little bit like get in the rhythm with him and what he was doing and then you know I, I didn't think I was going to be nervous and I really wasn't like I wasn't nervous mentally but my legs were shaking like crazy like my knees were shaking and I and I remember in between pitches like why are you like thinking like why are your legs shaking like I felt I felt fine I was just super hyped up I must have been just like 
like nervous and hype and like all the emotions running through you, you know, and then um, I think he threw me a one-two splitter. It was definitely a split. I think the count, I'm not sure on the count, but I think it was one-two and uncharacteristically hit it to right field, um, like lined it to, to right to the right fielder. And my AAA manager the year before was our first pace coach, Bobby Jones. So he was there to give me knucks. And like, they went over the loudspeaker that it was my first career, you know, base hit and my first career bat and like huge, huge standing ovation. It was just, it was sick. It was, it was a memory of a lifetime for sure. So good. You still got the ball? Oh yeah. Still got the ball. Oh, still got yeah. The, still got the bat um, and the ball. You got the bat and the ball. Well, Ian Kinsler, you won the trivia contest. You get a uh, a Gene Larkin, 88 Donruss. Yes. Uh, Gene Larkin. So great, great mullet, great smile, pretty, pretty <laughs> solid chest hair. Uh, so that's a Gene Larkin for you. Uh, Chopper, I want to talk war stick with Ian, but did you have any, any other questions for him? I got a few, but I'm just going to ask one more because I think this is the one that's the most potentially impactful for our listeners and our, our players out there. Uh, what what do you or did you intentionally bring to the yard outside of your baseball skill to help your club day in and day out? What was something that you were going to bring to the yard every day to help your team win outside of baseball? Passion. Yes. I mean, it's pretty simple every day. I mean, it was whether I was tired or slept well or whatever, I was fired up to be at the field every day. I love it. Thank you. And I've seen Perfect. that passion at a Jack White concert too, man. I mean, you, you bring it uh, wherever it, it's needed. I like that, man. <laughs> it's contagious me and, too. Me, me and Kirk Gibson trying to get the crowd going. No one was buying. So, so good, man. Get, I mean, I've got a picture in this war stick Jersey shaking Kirk Gibson's hand. Um, and then he's throwing out the first pitch at this game at war stick for the, uh, the Sandlot celebrity game uh at uh, in dallas and they're like hey coach ballgame you're gonna introduce kirk gibson <laughs> okay all right so here we go uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen and you know i blacked out and he went out throughout the first pitch and then gibby comes up to bat with the bases juiced later in the game and laces one down the right field line first pitch it to. was amazing um but that that Warstick headquarters uh, grand opening, you guys did it right. And for our listeners out there, and I've got the bats, uh, you know, and I, I love me my Warstick glove. I got it right over there. Um, just what was the genesis of it? What, where, where did uh, the idea come? And, and, and how, how now you got a, you got a Warstick bat in the Olympic games. It's in, it's, um, you can use it in MLB games now. Uh, where's where did it start? Well, it started with with Ben Jenkins, who's the owner um, and the founder of Warstick, and he he had this vision. I mean, he was it was a family operated business when he first started, and then he has this vision of of getting Warstick into the major leagues. And um, we have some mutual friends somehow that introduced both of us and and I just loved his vibe we talk about passion you could tell he was super passionate about it uh, loved baseball ex-baseball player and just wanted to create something that was cool and we hit it off I really like the product I like the logo it's super simple and clean and has a has a purpose and um, 
you know, he, he wanted to, he wanted to, to create something that, that really dove into the player's psychology and the player's psyche. And that to me was awesome. And, you know, it wasn't just a bat company that was just trying to make bats. You know, he, he wanted to create something that players could feel good holding a war stick bat or glove and feel like they're connected to something. And that resonated with me. And so I went in and, and invested in the company and, and with Jack White. And it's just been a, it's been a great ride. And I think you saw, you saw like the end product of it in the, in the, you know, headquarters here in Deep Elm. And um, I started using bats in the big leagues in 2000, 2015, I think was my first year using war stick and then used it for the rest of my career. Um, and we got some guys in the major leagues that have been using them for a long period of time. So it's just really fun to be a part of. We get Jack White, like, love he this dude is a baseball historian absolutely loves baseball so to have his passion also involved um and then the music side like right now i just i was showing you guys earlier i'm sitting down here in the music venue and he like you said number of times he's had a concert down here and was ripping it and this to bring those two you know music and sports together is just so much fun and um you know it, it, honestly it just all started with ben and his vision and he created it and we just kind of kind of helped and and followed suit so it's it's something that's that's a lot of fun to be a part of ben's awesome i, I met him a few times he loves to surf he'll come out here to dana point and um you know war stick makes uh baseball bats softball bats hockey hunting fishing rods uh there's surf skate snow golf tennis uh, they're all over the place with it what what stood out to me walking through the headquarters um you you get this sense that it's a marriage of three things it's baseball um you know uh, but it's also art it marries baseball art and there's this kind of intangible uh warrior mentality as you call it it's just got uh the the i think the um the quote is it's not the weapon it's the warrior and when uh you know, when you go into this place and, and oh, it's not just a bat company. It's not just a glove company. We're actually trying to build kids character and 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 strengthen their uh, their mind. Um, it's a whole different ball game. So I try to marry art and baseball. And I think that engages kids with my monkeys and my, uh, you know, my costumes and my music and poems. Um, and so being able to get down there watch jack white rip it um that you know melted my face and uh, uh you know uh, uh, kind of seeing it firsthand oh this is this is different this is great so um awesome uh, uh chopper anything uh anything to close up shop from you it's just passion so uh i love that and uh ben right ben's the founder uh yeah and, uh, and he had that ben jenkins had that passion and ian fed off that and jack white fed off that and uh, I love that. So for our kids out there, like have passion and our coaches be passionate. Like when you show up, don't just like, Oh, I got these little rascals. I got to no, dude, like come in there with a vibe that like people want to be a part of. And then who knows, you know, we talk about, you can't change the world, but you can change someone's world. So when you guys get out of here today, go, go have a vibe, go have a little bit of passion and you never know what that could do to someone's day. I love that. It's awesome. Thanks for being here, dude. It's great. Great to meet you. You demand. Love that. Love that. I can't wait to come back. I'll see you in Dallas soon. And uh, let me know when you're out, 
out in the West Coast. Um, would love to play some catch with my worst stick glove here. Yes, IK3, baby. IK3. Yes. That's sick. Hey, if you come to like Tucson, mahogany. hey, you come to Tucson, reach out, dude. I'm I'm coaching across the street. I'm the head coach at Push Ridge Christian Academy. Oh, all right. Yeah. So push right across the way from CDO, but I'd love yeah, to have up you come on the talk. mountain right there. Right, right on up. the mountain. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So and we have lights now, which is cool. About two years ago, we got lights. So that's kind of sick. Awesome. I haven't been I haven't been back to Tucson for two years. But we we just got so we were just gonna go, me and my wife were gonna go back for the gym show. I don't know if, yeah. you, if you know about the gym show. I know a thing or two. I, I, yeah, about the gym show. Yeah, it's like become a it's become a, a little bit of a tradition for us to go back to Tucson for the gym show and hang out in T Town for about a week and, and get out uh, there. Go, go buy some rocks. <laughs> I'll get your contact info from Coach Ballgame if that's all right. And uh, yeah, if, absolutely. If you're down. I'd love to have you come talk to our kids. That'd be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Great to meet man. you. Dude. Have a great day. We appreciate you. All right, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me on. It's been awesome. See you, dude. Add a boy. Super, super. I mean, um, I that, huh? chopper man. So good. We're right, right on, right on. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, it's the things the scouts saw early on, and and they wrote it down in their notebooks. This gritty approach and this desire, and he was that kid that you had to ask to stop playing. He was that kid that wanted to bounce a ball and go hit and and field ground balls all night long um and and there's those there are those kids out there you don't have to teach them to love the game right you have to try as a coach try and teach the 95 percent of the other kids to love the game as much as him um but he there's a great story during a rain delay at shea stadium where he just goes out and he he just runs on the wet tarp and he does a big head first dive like it's a slip and slide and then a couple other teammates uh join in i think he had to be escorted off the field like he can't be on there like just that kind of passion that, that little kid joy that's that's what i think of with ian kinsler and that's the thing about uh doing head first dives on tarps right uh, a tarp with a hole in it is no longer a tarp so keep that in mind too don't let's not forget that <laughs> And, and kids, uh, uh, when you're head first diving into a base, uh, this is the one thing me and him have in common. Hold on to batting gloves because he broke his thumbs diving head first the first week he was in the majors. He gets the hit off Kurt Schilling, and then about a week later, he's batting almost 500, and he dives into second base, and his thumb jams back towards his face, and he was out for like 40 games. So I had the same thing happen in college. I hurt this fifth metacarpal right here so um you see guys now they've got the oven mittens um but i don't know how uh, i feel about that i don't know how i feel about the oven mitten. i went away this last season for uh you know our our dodgers season and i get home and all of a sudden there's like 35 oven mittens everywhere and everyone's got their oven mittens one in each back pocket and they get the first and then they miss the first pitch because they're trying to get their oven mitten on i'm like what's going on with these boy flipping oven mittens but uh yeah yeah, might keep them safe there well i mean i i would just after the broken hand i would just keep like four batting gloves in each back pocket because i didn't wear batting gloves but i'd keep them in the back pocket and then I'm, i'd hold them because i was a head first guy yeah, um and and so it doesn't was, surprise me coach ball yeah so was ian kinsler what what a great guest man next week we got uh we got pitcher daniel bard 
who Can't has wait. got a cool story. Um, and yeah, he's, he's been listening to the podcast. You know, he, he enjoys listening to guys that he grew up watching play and now he's playing at the highest level and um, he throws gas. He's a great guy and uh, looking forward to having him on. Uh, that's Daniel Bard. And then uh, we got Albert Pujols in two weeks. So, wow. um, Hey, before we close up shop, I'm going to see you in person on Sunday. Where are we going to be brother? God, Nick Hundley baseball camp. Check it out online. Uh, it's going to be in San Diego. And uh, I wish I knew the name of the high school, but uh, uh, Marinantha, right. I believe it's Marinantha in San Diego. You did it. See that? Uh, I'll, yeah. Um, this isn't going to come out till next week. So it'll already be over, yeah. uh, but I'll post it on the socials. It's going to be good to see you. I'll be in Tampa uh, Friday and Saturday running sand lots flying over there. Uh, Xavier Scruggs is going to join me on Friday. NickBaseball.org. Um, if you want to Nick get more information on future Nick Hundley baseball camps, not this one, because it's going right. to air after it. <laughs> this won't, this won't be the, the, the last that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, NickBaseball.org. Um, Xavier Scruggs is going to join me Friday at the Tampa sand lot. So, uh, nice. he'll sign some autographs and then I'll be in Palmetto about 45 minutes from there. Fly back to Orange County Saturday night, Nick Hundley Sunday. Yes. And then we got President's Day camp in Tustin on Monday uh, before Daniel Bard on Tuesday. So I can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, that's a busy schedule. All gas, no breaks, Coach Ballgame. I tell you what, that that Super Bowl halftime show, it made me want to break out my AOL Instant Messenger account and uh, and get back into the the late 90s, early Mm. 2000s. Man, that, that uh, was unbelievable. If so they good. went on tour, I think baby, uh, you should invest in babysitting because there would be babysitters needed galore because uh, all these moms just want to go dance to uh, late 90s hip hop. That's, that's how it rolls. That's how when we cut our hair here, we flip on the, we try to find clean version, but uh, we'll throw on some late 90s hip hop and just cut hair, you know, in the garage. There you go. Kids, yeah. go clean version, obviously. That's how we roll. But yeah, I mean, radio the beat, edit. The yeah, beat, the beats, the going. beats so good. Well, have awesome, a great week, man. man. That was great. Don't forget to rake everybody. Coach Ballgame, you're the best, man. I appreciate you. See you soon. See you on Sunday. Can't wait. See you Sunday.